Noble, uh, who is a name you may recognize as <clears throat> an author and minister, he once shared these words in a testimony. He said, how can I tell you the difference God has made in my life? Well, my daughter Allison was five years old when I became a follower of Jesus. And all she had known in those five years was a dad who was profane and angry. I remember one night I came home and kicked a hole in the living room wall just because I was angry with my life. I'm ashamed to think of the times Allison hid in her room to get away from me. But five months after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that same little girl went to my wife and said, Mommy, I want God to do for me what he has done for Daddy. She was five years old. What was she saying? She never studied the archaeological evidence. She didn't know anything about history, theology, or biblical transmission. All she knew was that her dad used to be angry, hard to live with, but more and more something is changing her daddy. And she thought to herself, if that is what God does to people, then sign me up. And at age five, she gave her life to Jesus. Strobel concluded saying, God changed me. He changed my family. He changed my world. And he changed my eternity. Now, how is it that you and I can build a family like that? What is involved in creating that kind of uh, impact that a dad or a, a mom can have in the lives of their children. How can we have that? How can you implement that into your lives? Well, thankfully, the Bible offers an overview of the steps needed to take so that you and I can build the kind of home, the kind of family that God intended for us to have. Turn with me, follow me please, in Psalm 127. Psalm 127, I'm going to read 1 through 5. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, in, this, in these passages, we find two truths that the psalmist is addressing. The first truth, he speaks of the construction of a home. And then secondly, he speaks of the creation of 
of a family. But first, let's look at what he says in verses, verse 1a, the first part of verse 1, where he speaks about the foundation of the home. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord is the builder foundation of your home, you labor in vain to build it. Many years ago, <clears throat> Pam and I moved to uh, Louisville, Texas to do mission work. And when we went there prior to starting the work that we were assigned to, uh, we were looking for a place to live. So we got a realtor. And this realtor took us to uh, these little duplex, you know, half houses things. And uh, it's the one we ended up staying in, but <clears throat> renting. But as we walked through the different rooms there in that uh, half of the house, I noticed that there were cracks running up some of the walls. There in the bedroom there were cracks. In the living room there were cracks, a few in the kitchen. And so <clears throat> I asked the realtor about those. And she said, yeah, you're right. She said, that is indicative of a foundation that has moved, a foundation that has shifted. You'll see cracks running up the walls. She said, if you were going to buy this house, uh, yeah, I would advise against it because this will have to be fixed at some point. You'll have to come back in and, and, uh, and, and realign the foundation. It'll have to be fixed, but if you're leasing, it's no big deal. Well, there indeed are times when we look around and we see cracks in the walls of our homes. Sometimes they're in the living room. Sometimes they come up in the bedroom. But cracks indicative that there's been a foundation shift and where you began. The thing about a foundation, a builder, a builder setting the stone for foundation, if we get that wrong, if we are not very careful about the foundation upon which we are building our home, one day we will look up and see those cracks running from one place to another. I've, <clears throat> I've shared with you all uh, before about our house fire in uh, Whitesboro in 1997. Uh, what the church did at the time was to restructure our salary packet so that we could either purchase, because that was a parsonage. Yeah, we burned down the parsonage. Can you believe that? What kind of, they, they took another vote on me being pastor after the parsonage burned down. Not really, they didn't. Not really. Um, <clears throat> now I've lost my place. The, they uh, gave us a salary packet where we could either buy a home or build a home, and someone gave us a lot. 
So we decided to build a home. Well, <clears throat> there were seven builders in our church, seven men who had construction companies in our church, and I was friends with every one of them. And I didn't know what to do. So for a while, I did nothing. I put it off. But pretty soon, <clears throat> we uh, got into such a, a, cr a crazy uh, circumstance there in the place we were living that we, I said, we, we've got to start construction on a house. And so I came up with what I thought was a good idea, ended up being not a good idea. But I called all seven of these guys together one morning to come to my office. And so they all got there looking at each other, wondering what in the world is this guy doing? And so I told them the situation. I said, I, you know, I, we've got to have a house. We've, we've got to start construction on a house. And every one of you guys are my friends. And I wouldn't do anything to hurt you. So I said, I'm going to leave my office, and then when you all decide, you come tell me what direction we're going. And so after a while, they actually did. They came together, and they, <clears throat> they had divvied up the work. One guy was going to do this, this guy do this, this guy do this, and this guy do that. But it didn't work at all. Because you bring house builders together, and they try to work out the individual. There's a thousand. There's a thousand decisions to make, big ones and little ones. And you get too many cooks in the kitchen, it spoils the soup. And so we noted almost immediately that it was impossible to build a home with multiple builders. We ended up with one because every house has its own builder. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So he speaks of the foundation. 1B, he speaks of the fears, <clears throat> the fears of the home. <clears throat> Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman of that city stays awake in vain. Now, what is a city but a collection of homes? And unless the Lord protects, watches over, gives careful consideration to the homes of the city, the watchman wakes in vain. He goes on to say in verse 2, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Here the psalmist is warning us that we can do everything we think we can do to be protectors of our home. We can set up security cameras. We can set up motion detectors. We can set up sensors of all kind, all this brilliant technology from one end of the house to the other. But still, regardless of what kind of watchman stays awake, he stays awake in vain because the Lord is the protector of the city. 
One of the greatest fears that I know fathers have is that something is going to happen to my family. It's a fear that, unfortunately, uh, really never goes away. Even when your children become adults, it's, there's always that sense in the back, especially when, you know, they're little and they get away. And there's always that sense that something bad is going to happen to my family or to my children. And that is a strong motivator. And that's why the psalmist says that it's, it's vain for us to get up early, to set up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, to constantly worry about everything that may happen in the life of our family, of our children, and realize that even if we have the greatest watchman, protector over us, he watches us in vain unless the Lord is our protector. That's why you need to pray for your kids all the time. That's why you need to pray for your family all the time. God, be the protector over my family. As my children go, leave the house, as they go to school, as they grow up, and as they come from, <clears throat> uh, you know, childhood into preteen and teen, and in each of these areas, God, there are so many different temptations that will come their way. God, protect my family. Protect my children. Finally, he speaks of the need, <clears throat> uh, the creation of our family. In verses 3 through 5, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like, hands in the, like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them, for they shall not be ashamed but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, when it comes to uh, the, the creation of the family, these passages tell us two things about our kids. First, that they need unconditional acceptance from us. Children, in verse 3, Psalm 127, are a heritage or an, an inheritance from the Lord they are a reward, a gift, a benefit. In other words, God is saying, I have chosen this child for you, and I have chosen you for this child. Receive this child as a blessing, as an inheritance. Now, I want you to do something for me right now. Regardless of how old your children are, <clears throat> I want you to, in your mind's eye, just close your eyes for a second. In your mind's eye, I want you to see your child's face. Each child God has given you. And I want you to see that child's face in your mind's eye. And I want you to look closely. And whether there is a halo on top of that head or little horns growing out of it, you look at that face and you say, God 
gave you to me. And he gave me to you. And I accept you right now as God's gift. Despite your quirks, despite your personality issues, despite flaws, despite problems, I receive you as God's gift to me. For the time that I have you, for the time that you're under my home, I receive you and I accept you just as God made you. Do that with each one of your children, your mind's eye, and then you might as well tell them that you did it and that you loved them and received them unconditionally. But there's a second part to this. Not only do children need unconditional acceptance, but they also need guidance. Look in verse 4. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so children are of one's youth. Now, experience and logic tells us that arrows are not organic. In other words, we can't go outside and break an arrow off a tree. There, there are not arrow trees. There are not arrow bushes. In order to make an arrow, you have to take a stick. And in the hands of a skilled craftsman, they can, they can carve that stick, knocking off all the knotty parts, all the bad parts, carve that stick until it becomes a sleek, useful arrow for the hunter. And the psalmist is liking children to that arrow. Children, as we well know, are not born with great character and moral abilities. All they know is, I want what I want when I want it. And so children can't be left on their own. You can't do default parenting. There has to be an intentional impact from you upon them to help carve them into the people of God that he intends them to be. Creating a family like we read about uh, in the introduction, creating that kind of family means that we take our children, look them in the face, and say, God, God gave you to me. I'm going to quit doubting if you're my kid. <laughs> I'm going to quit doubting, and I'm going to accept that this is you, and that we have a job to do. And that God gave you to me so that I know he will give to me what I need to give back to you. God intentionally called me to be your dad. He, he called me to be your mom. Listen, tell your kids 
over and over and over again how grateful you are that out of all of the billions and billions of births that's ever taken place on planet Earth, God gave you to me. He, he selected you for me. Tell your kids that. How blessed you are that the hand of God gave them to you. It will impact them. It will strengthen them. It will elevate their sense of worth when they know that, that Almighty God delivered. Wasn't a stork. God delivered you to us. And God will use us to guide and help develop you. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, I pray <clears throat> for hearts of moms and dads, all of us. None of us are perfect parents. All of us fail. But we keep marching toward that goal, that goal of God giving us the kind of family that as a Christian I deeply want to have, raising our children up, so that they can be strong, strong in the Lord and accomplish His purpose. Father, speak that into us this morning and renew, regenerate our efforts to be the parents that we really want to be as Christians. <laughs>